Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Good morning. Give me Welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. We've had Christmas come and go of 2022. It's December the 29th, 2022. Putting away some stuff there. Sorry, folks. So, we're getting ready to reflect on the year that we just had, probably, some of us. I don't do that much. I think that, uh, you know, it's good to look back and see what we could have done better, what we could do better next year. Get away from all that resolution stuff. Just get right with God. That's a resolution that you want to make. Don't worry about losing weight. Don't worry about getting your health in order. Get right with God. Get your spiritual health in order. That is the most important thing that you can ever do. The most important thing that you will ever do. And uh, I, I impress that on and on. And I'm not talking to the lost. People that are lost, they just need to get right, period. But those of us that are on this side of salvation, we just live this thing where we, well, I'm saved and, I, and I'm, I'm going to heaven. That's all great. Yeah, I pray you are. But I also believe that your testimony while you're here means a lot. It means everything. I'm not talking about crowns and rewards. We've we've discussed that in the past. And I believe those are important. I think those those things that 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 God lays out there for us in the next life. 
and we'll discuss some of those here in a moment um, while we're yakking. Jesus told his friends a parable that we're going to talk about today from Luke chapter 18. Play a song first. One of these days. One of these days I'm gonna witness all I've been missing. One of these days. One of these days I'm gonna do all the things that I've never done. I'm gonna finish all the races that I've run, but I've never won. And I'm gonna see a million faces and recognize everyone One of these days One of these days I'm gonna see the hand that took the nails from me
One of these days. That's a group called FFH. You can find them on Spotify. If you go to uh, Spotify, I make I make most of I think I've, I've done it. I, I'm, sometimes I'm a little ignorant about how to do things on these websites. Uh, but at least I have the guts to admit it. Uh, there's ways to make um, playlists, and I try to make them all public because I make I make I make them so that they're uplifting. There's stuff that I like, you know, that's that kind of thing, and I, I believe I've made that one. It's it's called Gospel Jams, Tom's playlist, and there's a bunch of different things in there. You ta- uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and. You know, some hillbilly stuff that you all know I like hillbilly stuff. And then there's that there's a little bit more rocky. But it's it's still, it's good. It's the message. One of these days, one of these days I'll see the hands that took the nails for me. One of these days I'll walk the streets that have been paved with gold for me. Um, that's That's the great imagery of the Bible that we have. And, you know, when we sit and think about it, it's it's deep. You know, it's really something to, uh, uh, you know, the the things that have been done for us, and we we, uh, I think don't really understand it all. We we can't, but we can understand this: that a man named Jesus, who is fully God, one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man, not half and half came to this planet from a uh, a place far beyond what any, anything we can imagine. He was born of a woman. He had to go through the entire process of living and then be killed for us. Sacrifice. Perfect sacrifice. I said Luke 18, I meant Luke 19. So if you're following along with me, just flip a page or two, however your Bible's set up, and we're going to talk about a parable. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about it. I, you know, I get words dropped into me, uh, into my spirit. Let's put it that way. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm, I'm, I'm far from denominational, so I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a cessationist i'm not a i'm not a pentecostal uh you know any of that i i just i'm really trying my best to steer as close to christ as i can get and that doesn't mean i'm trying to become him so don't get that idea sometimes my thoughts don't come out as quickly as i'd like but you get the idea if you if you're if you're if you know me and there are people out there i pray that know me that are listening you know that I'm not this this charismatic nut job that runs around the room yelling, "I'm on fire!" You know, I, you know. But it is a good idea for us to get a little bit of the fire of the spirit in us. So much dead religion has happened to us uh, that we're we're dumbed down. I, I've listened to message after message after message. I walked away and said, "I don't even know what this guy's talking about." I mean, it was simple what he brought it forth. Many of these uh, so-called educated, highly trained individuals, and then when you walk away from, you're like, "Well, I could, you know, anybody could do that." You know, I had I've brought these guys up before 
uh, several that are passed on and gone, uh, but you can still find them on YouTube. And I, I encourage you to find Steve Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. He was with, uh, I think it's Fellowship, uh, Fellowship uh, Bible Church or Chapel. Uh, I can't remember. You, you, you know. yeah, another one you can look up is, if you want to is the uh, John Holler, H-A-L-L-E-R. He was their prophecy guy or is their prophecy guy. You find him, he gets like 20,000 views a week of his prophecy updates. He's doing two or three of them a week now. Um, I don't really, I, you know, I, I, I encourage you to check John out as well, but if you find him, you'll find Stephen and Steve passed away in 2020, a loss, a huge loss in, in, in a lot of our lives. Um, it's, it's hard for me to say a, a gigantic loss to me. Uh, but we were, we, we knew each other. And uh, we we talked at length one day at his church, and I, I really you know uh, back and forth a little bit here and there on on Facebook. And uh, he was a great guy. I mean, just a down to earth, took time for everybody, uh, did the mission work in India. Uh, guy that you you could hang your hat on. I mean, he just you knew that he knew that he knew Christ, he knew Jesus, and he's with him now. Uh, the other one, Bill Randalls. Uh, now, some people don't like Bill because Bill, uh, he kind of got off on some stuff that uh, I, I didn't agree with, but his teaching overall was very good. Uh, YouTube has all these guys, by the way, and they're, they're, they're some of them being transitioned, uh, still on YouTube, but transitioned to like Rumble and other places where it's a little less um, – adversarial towards Christians. That's a good way to put it. Um, Bill Randall's R A N D L E S Randall's Bill Randall's really good guy. I mean, he, and he was another, I, I, we, me and him chatted back and forth a lot. Uh, he, he always gave me a lot of, uh, encouragement in everything I was doing, the, the blogs I wrote and some of the stuff I've done here. So I, I felt good about him as a, as a, as a brother, you know, he, he just, he was a little more charismatic. And Steve was, but he was, uh, and he, we lost him about this time last year. One that's still with us is David Langford. I, and I, I encourage you, you can find him even on TV. He's one of the only TV preachers that I would even say watch. Uh, last I, on my cable system, it's the uh, World Harvest Television or something like that. And he has the voice of evangelism. Now, if you're not ready for uh, somebody to shoot straight with you, don't listen to any of these guys because they're going to be straight at you. Uh, Steve was probably the, and I'm not putting him any of them on a specific level, but he was a little bit more of the, uh, I'm going to teach you, and then you take it. Uh, Bill was a step above, you know, this is the way we need to start living. Now, Steve, you know, he wasn't shying away from a holy and pure living. He just was like the rest of us, like me. It's hard to do, and we, we know it's hard to do. Bill was a little bit more, and David will tell you straight up, if you don't get it right, it's not going to happen for you in the end. Now, you can fight with me on once saved, always saved, all you want, or eternal security, uh, un- unconditional co- eternal security. 
people are hanging a lot on those things. I do not hang a lot on them. But those are, you know, we, we, we have to find places that we can go. Uh, you go to church. I don't know what your church is like. If you're in one of those churches, I know what it's like. Now, David doesn't have a church anymore. He's more of an evangelist. Uh, of course, like I said, Steve and Bill are both gone. I don't know pretty much their churches are still there. I'm not sure what the teaching's like because it, it just, it's not the same. It's hard to, you know, you know how that is. Is it a cult of personality, Tom? Maybe so. I don't know. But I just know that there was such great spirit-led teaching from these men that uh, they've helped form me in the way I am. Now I'm still forming. <laughs> I'm still here, so sanctification is still happening. Luke chapter 19, chapter 19 of Luke. And I'm going to start reading this. I'm going to read the entire parable. There's there's one word in this parable that I believe got dropped into my brain or my soul or my spirit early in the morning to this this morning. And I had to look it up. <clears throat> I had to look it up, so I did. Now Jesus is preparing to tell a parable. And you know, People love these parables, especially church guys. They love these parables because he talks about money. But we're going to get a little bit more spiritual than that because I'm not here to collect your money. You do with your money as you feel fit, but we'll discuss some of that as well. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. And they heard these things. He added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So these people were expecting. This is like right up the uh, triumphal entry. They're expecting. This is it. You know, it's happening, and it didn't. didn't happen the way they thought. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. This is 10 pounds of money. It's like a drachma or something of their, that they used at that point in time. So he delivered unto them 10 pounds and said unto them, comma, occupy until I come. But the citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded those servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, uh, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten. And he said, yeah, Well, that's well thou good ser- well thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, Lord, I, thy pound hath gained five. And he said to him, Likewise. Be thou also over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, there, here is thy pound, which I kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man who taketh up that thou layest not down and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man. Taking up that I laid down, and reaping that I did not sow, where unto, or wherefore, then givest thou not my money into the bank. 
that at my coming I might have cured mine own with interest, or I'm sorry, usury or interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath been that that hath shall be given, and for him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. This is a picture of how we are to kind of conduct ourselves. Now, it talks a lot about money, and I like I say, I, I, I can take it from the money thing. Is as minute you start yakking about money, people think, what's he going to hit us up for? I'm not going to hit you up for anything. I need nothing at this point. This ministry reaches out to whomever it reaches into the far reaches of the world that it does without anyone sending me a cent. I encourage you to send your cash, if you want to, to other places, and I just listed you a few that you could look up, and if you want to seed into those ministries and be so be it, I, I would appreciate that keep them going now the word that that i felt compelled with today occupy he says he called his 10 servants delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them occupy till i come now what does that mean now at first to me it was more of a military kind of you know i'm an old army guy it kind of felt like a, a military kind of thing, a, 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 a war footing. You know, you occupy a certain amount of territory. I, I therefore went and looked it up to make sure. It's a, it's a verb, of course. It has action to it. And I'm using, and this is what I use when I use the dictionary. I don't trust most of the stuff that you're going to pull off the internet, you know, Merriam Webster and all that, they change things. But I use the American Dictionary of English Languages, 1828. This is uh, from Noah Webster. He took uh, the words of the Bible. He used. He, he took common English vernacular, and and it's very biblical the way that he. Uh, defined words now occupy to take possession the person who first occupies land which uh, has no owner has the right of property so that's kind of that war footing you're you take a piece of property you're not going to let anybody take it from you uh the number two keep possession keep in possession to possess to hold to keep for use the tenant occupies a farm under a lease. This is the this is the uh, definition and a, an example that Webster put in here. Uh, lease of twenty years or twenty one years. Uh, a longer a lodger. I'm sorry. Occupies an apartment. A man occupies the chair in which he sits. See, it goes from the gradients, you know, down to I'm sitting here. I occupy. I'm taking up the space of this chair. I'm using it. 
<clears throat> now, in this case, he's saying, occupy until I come. He's telling them to engage in business until I return. Now, this ruler that's left, he's gone off to uh, a far land is what Jesus says. There's there's a backstory to this that I just learned. I, I, I use a lot of different things here. I have a book over here next to me up to my right that is called the Wycliffe's. This is an old commentary, Wycliffe's commentary, and it talks about the reason Jesus used this particular um, parable. And it had, you know, parables are, you know, earthly stories with heavenly uh, outcomes. Occupy in this story, or actually, I mean, the parable as a whole, it it was modeled after uh, a real thing that happened that these people that he was speaking to would understand. Um, There was a guy by the name of Herod the Great. He passed. He died. Herod had a son named Archelaus. Okay, I'm butchering that pretty well for you. But he, this, this son rode off to go and uh, take possession or get the rights to his father's kingdom. Herod Antipas, which I'm sure we've heard of through the years, he rejected that other brother's claim to, uh, uh, and he had the support of many of the Jews that were in power. And this is all from Josephus uh, that wrote it. Josephus was a first century uh, uh, historian, very well respected and looked after when you try to understand things from the first century. So the th- reason Jesus used it at that point was many of the people here 30 years later, and this happened 30 years before he told this story, so when he was yet a youth, uh, he, he used it because he knew that people would understand what he was talking about. It, was, it had a, a real feel to it. Now he's saying, again, here's a pound each for you. Now there's a, there's a they're correlating parable which is actually quite different from this one in uh, Matthew 25 where it's it's more of a uh five five guys and one gets five one gets you know whatever down the line and one gets one and he doesn't do anything with it and he ends up in deep stuff same thing here same thing here he's telling them to occupy go out he's told them what to do? He says, you know, take what I'm giving you and go out and, and invest it. Get returns on it. Now, in the church today, you'd probably be, this would be a tithing message. Here, you know, put your money in the plate and we'll take care of the rest. That's all fine and good. I'm not against tithing. You do as you wish with your money in the church. If it is a church that is doing truth, very few, 
but doing truth and trying to reach the lost and bring them in and train them correctly. These are all things that I look for in a church. Now, I don't find too many that do it. And where you try to initiate that, I'm going to tell you right now, if it's a lot of them are going to shut you down fast. Here's uh, Matthew twenty five fourteen says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. He gave each one so many talents of gold or whatever, which was worth a lot of money, and they were supposed to invest it, and you always had the ones that did and one that didn't. When it didn't, whoo, man, he got in trouble. Now, in this one, it, it goes a little further. It says, those people that were against me, bring them to me. We'll talk about that in, in a moment, I hope. John twelve twenty six. if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The other day, as, a, as an aside, we talked the other day, the last uh, program podcast that I did, we talked about liars and lying. Since that happened, I, I watched the news just very, very briefly. I, I, I can't stand it anymore. It makes me sick. Uh, my buddy Mike keeps me up to date on a lot of stuff that sometimes I'm, I'm glad he does. He, he He's one of those that has his ear to the floor of a lot of things. A, a representative-elect Republican by the name of George Santos up in in New York uh, lied about It seems like he lied about everything. He lied on his resume for everything of where he went to college, uh, that he was Jewish when he's actually very Catholic, raised Catholic, but he says, I'm Jewish. And then he changes it to, well, I'm Jew-ish. Well, then aren't we all? I follow Jesus Christ, who was on earth a Jewish rabbi. Therefore, I could say, well, I'm Jew-ish, but I don't. I'm a Christian, period. This guy, uh, he got on with uh, on the Tucker Carlson show with Tulsi Gabbard, and she she was very good with him, but she ate him up a little bit. She just asked him a straight-up question, one that I, I, I think that all these people need to be asked. What's your definition of integrity? If you are going to lie about yourself, how do I trust you when you get to the to the Senate. Now, I've said all along, I'm all for a change, I'll call it this way, a regime change in Washington, D.C. You know, we have this tendency, though, to think that more Republicans makes it better. 18 Republicans just voted to follow and pass through a $1.7 trillion bill full of garbage, money for Ukraine money for probably gay stuff, uh, money for probably giving themselves a tax break, a tax, or not a tax, I'm, I'm sorry, a, a salary bump. These people always do that. They, they, and, you know, it's like 4,700 pages or something, 4,500 pages, and only the couple of people have actually gotten their aides together, went through and read the thing. The rest of them said, ah, you know, we'll vote on it, see what's in it when we're done. That's the, you know, the Nancy Pelosi thing. But see, I, and I want to go into too much pol- political stuff, 
But I want to tell you is people lie. These people lie. It says again in the Bible that I read towards the very end of the Bible. This is why a lot of preachers divorce the book of Revelation. They actually say, oh, it shouldn't even be in there. You know, it's for that's for people in the, in the tribulation period. We're not going to be here. But it also says all liars will suffer final judgment. All, not some. You know, the Christian liars don't get a, there is no such thing. Tell the truth. Get it over with. It hurts. Rip the Band-Aid off. Get it done. People don't like the truth because the truth will make you free. A lie just keeps digging you deeper and deeper. Just a, just a recap of what we talked about literally probably a, a week ago. And here we have a guy that got elected to office on the, what we would call the correct party. And he is a buffoon and a liar. And what's going to happen? We'll see. He's a representative elect. He hasn't even taken office yet, and we've already caught him with all kinds of dirt. He's nothing. He's going to fail. He's going to fail us if he gets in. That's the world we live in, and we say, well, why is our country in such a mess? Well, there you go. you got a good example right there. Let me get back to where I was at. Occupy. Now, again, it's all about, you know, this is, this, this is basically, you know, what, what, what do I do with the money you give me? You know, go out and invest it. Jesus gives us talents as servants of him. And, and that's what we are to be, not just servants, but slaves. Slaves were, had a different connotation back then. You know, they were actually like part of the family, you know. Uh, they were bondsmen, whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's an easier-to-understand term. But they weren't mistreated. These guys were given a specific duty to do. You, when you were saved, were given a specific duty to do. Jesus is telling his disciples this parable. And this is right before he goes down the road the triumphal entry, which leads to the Last Supper and his death. Excuse me. And he's telling his people, occupy until I come. You know, to them right then and there, maybe they weren't getting it. He's already here. What do we need to occupy? But he's getting ready to hand you his kingdom. He's getting ready to hand to his disciples his kingdom, and say, take care of it and grow it while I'm gone. I'm going to a far country. I'm going to go into this town, Jerusalem. At first, it's going to look great because people think he's the the conquering king to come, not the suffering servant. going to go in and they're 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 all going to throw their coats down and throw the palm branches down he's going to ride in on a donkey and then 
He's going to have dinner, the Last Supper, the uh, Passover, Seder Supper with his friends, his close friends, and then he's going to be betrayed and killed. But he's saying to them before this even happens, occupy, go about my business. His business isn't all about money. Matter of fact, Jesus' business was never about money. It's obvious he didn't have a lot. When it was time for them to make good on some taxes, what did he tell Peter to do? Go out and catch a fish. And when you catch the first fish you do, open his mouth and there will be what we need. And there was a gold coin. Only God can do that kind of thing. If we thought every fish we caught had a gold coin in his mouth, you'd see a lot more people at the lake. But this is God showing that it's not all about money. Sometimes you have to catch a fish to make a buck. He's telling, I'm just kidding. He's, he's telling them, I'm giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. This is a kingdom. It's not planted completely here in this world yet. It hasn't been completely set up, but the kingdom of heaven is among you. It's here. I am the kingdom, Jesus says. Now I'm going to go to a far place, place where you cannot come. My father is going to give me all of this. I'm giving it to you, at least part of it. Because I want you to further my kingdom. Occupy until I come. Keep it going. What you gain, keep. That's what Jesus did. He lost one out of 12 of his uh, disciples, Judas Iscariot. Peter stumbled a bit there with his denial and some of the other things that happened with the other guys, but they all ended up dead because they knew the risen Christ. If you are saved, you know him well. You know him as well, I'm sorry. They knew him at that point in time as the Jesus that they could see, they could touch, they could feel the the palm print, the uh, nails in his palms, they could feel the the, 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 the spear hole in his side. You could see where the crown of thorns had been. So they knew who he was when they saw him after the resurrection. This is even before, though, he's talking to him. says, Occupy. They maybe not got it. They hadn't really gotten it yet. But they knew it afterwards because they did exactly what he said. They went out and they started to gather to them uh, proselytes. They, they went out and they, they, they preached the gospel. They went out and shared Christ with everybody that they possibly could to the point where they ended up dead. They were killed. Almost every one of these men that Jesus had following him ended up dead because of their work in the kingdom. 
John, and I mean dead, I should, I should rephrase. They were killed one way or another. John, uh, was boiled in oil at one point and, and the, uh, the uh, the story goes that it did not hurt him. He spent a lot of years on Patmos, dragging rocks around as an exile, and then he was at the end of his life. He was allowed to go back, and he was buried up in uh, Asia Minor, I believe. But these guys suffered much for their work with Jesus. They they took on a big a big responsibility. Their king left them to go to a new, another country, heaven, and left them there with the work to do. Occupy, work, invest, do your best. Now you know the the whole thing. You know, like say this this parable kind of mirrors that whole Herod the Great, Archelaus, and, and Antipas thing. But, you know, the, the, it, it, in the way that the citizens hated him, it says that you were talking about Jesus now. We flip, flip back that uh, this certain nobleman, this would be, you know, Jesus is referring in this parable to himself. But his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him, we will not have this man to reign over us. How many people do you know today that when you try to share Christ with them and say, look, the time is drawing nearer. You don't know how many breaths you have left. You don't know how many days we have left as a as 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 we see it today we don't know when exactly he will return and set up his kingdom here but i can guarantee you listen to this the citizens hated him sent a message saying we will not have this man reign over us and then we go through that whole you know, it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him who he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained for tra- by trading. Now, again, it, it flips to money. Let's just keep it in that spiritual aspect. He wants to know, how. what did you do once you were saved? Once you, once you were handed, because this is just what it, he did here, he handed to his prized servants a certain amount of money. He's handed us a job to do, a duty to perform, and that is to share the gospel and win souls, to bring people closer to Christ that are already in Christ. That's another message for another day. And, you know, some of them did rather well, and some of them failed, as we know. One guy says he he laid it up in a napkin. <laughs> he took the money and just wrapped it up in a napkin. Now, you know, we got to think about it. Was it a napkin that you'd wipe your face on? 
because there's several different kinds of napkins that they talked about in the Bible. And I imagine one would be that you had at the dinner table to wipe your you know, hands and your face, like just like we do, paper towel, napkin, whatever. There's also the napkin that they would wrap you around your head when you died and were buried. That's what this one to me, and I, don't, I can't prove this by any stretch by, of imagination, but it's very possible because of what we know happens next. He takes his talent and gives it to the guy that's got 10. This guy's not getting anything. He doesn't get to rule over one city or half a city or even work under the other ones. It just says you're done. Those which have, that have will be given more because they've done well. Then at that last verse, uh, verse number 27 of Luke 19, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. That's a rough bit of statement. That's Jesus. That's that the calm and gentle Jesus that everybody likes to talk about. The non-judgmental Jesus. Jesus never judged that. Yes, he did, by the way. Read Matthew 23. People are so, they don't know their Bible at all. They don't know Jesus when they, when they say these ridiculous things about him being non-judgmental and all that. I'm going to tell you what, there is a judgment day coming. And for those people who have decided that they want to be enemies of Christ, I don't want to be in their presence. Because it's it's not pretty how that will, will go. Psalm 2. These people, these kind of people that, that refers to, in Psalm 2, they say, let us break the bands asunder and cast away the, their cords from us. They're talking about, it's, they're talking in Psalm 2, they're talking about the millennial uh, return, the millennial reign of Christ, whatever. And they feel like they're bound. So they, they want nothing to do. Get him away from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Psalm 2, verse 4. The Lord shall have them in derision. I don't like to think. Psalm 2, 5. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. He's not happy with you if you are deciding to be a enemy to him and he will vex you that's <laughs> that's a nice way to put it right the, the the you know the the beautiful thing about king james this kind of hit me too is the king james bible written from british english kind of of a background and, and if you know brits they're very understated or you know they understate things they they try to make it a little bit more palatable to you. We would just say, he's going to rip you to shreds. They would say, oh, well, he'll vex them with his sore displeasure. 
Psalm 2.9 says, Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Let's call him a gentle Jesus. He says, Bring my enemies to me, which don't want anything to do with me. Those people that we go out and talk to on the street, those people in our families that we talk to, read them this parable. Read them and take take the money thing out like we've done today. I don't like talking about money, tithing, sowing seeds and all that stuff. I believe in it. I believe that we live in a society, and any of us that have a, uh, any kind of brain in our head knows that you know, you can't keep the lights on without a little bit of cash. But when the, uh, when the church starts to say, well, we need to rip out all the pews and put in chairs. We need to put up new windows. We need to do this. We need, no, you don't. You know, if you want to spend money on it, on the pews, put some padding on them or buy pads and hand them to the 25 people that come to your church on Sunday morning. So here you go. Yeah, you'll be comfortable now. I'm sitting on one of these things. I forget the name of it. It's purple. That's the purple pad or whatever. It's very comfortable. It's like a little honeycomb thing. It cost a few bucks, but you know, you can do that. But you know, this whole thing of renovating the church. God's told us, you know, that the rapture could happen at any time. If that is true, if it's the imminent remain or re, re, return it could happen at any time it could happen today why would he tell you to spend money on a building if he was going to say anything he'd say spend money putting it gassing up the church van or bus and take these people out into the neighborhoods put them out two by two going door to door that would be more of a message from God, not a, we need to redo the entire building. We need to get a high powered preacher to come in. Some guy that'll, that'll, that'll have all the college in the world and he'll build this church because those are the only ones that know how. No, they're not. No, they're not. I know guys that have taken evangelist, evangelist courses who do very well at going right out into the street and talking to whoever they walk up to. Now, you have to have a little bit of discernment doing that because you can get in, in some stuff there too. But you, you know, it's very understated and underdone. It's not happening like it should. That is That costs very little. It costs very little to go out hand out tracts, hand out Bibles if you have to or you feel led to. Get the dollar tree. I think it's the dollar and a quarter tree. You can buy a Bible. I can't read it myself because the print's so small. But you get young folks out there, you could hand them a Bible for a buck and a quarter. 
the older folks, there's, there's some that I know a, a place where I can get them for $7.99, giant print Bibles, very nice Bible, King James Version. For those that are sticklers for that, and I am as well, I, when I, I want you to learn from the King James. If you decide to scurry off to any other thing else, that's fine. But we can learn a lot here. It's very, it's a very good version of the Bible, in my estimation, and from the folks that I trust as well. Here's the thing: it doesn't cost much, does it? If you just use tracts, you can get those for you can get them for nothing. Actually, you just have to be able to print them out. So there is a cost. You can you can. Uh, buy them in bulk from different uh, booksellers, Christian booksellers out there. Buy 50 or 100 for, you know, $5, $10, whatever. Do it. Hand them out. Your church will always supply. Most of all of them supply some kind of track. You know, but you want the ones that are hard-hitting, the ones that hit it right on the head. Are you going to heaven? I have some like that I bought. I've handed out quite a few. There's a little test that says, oh, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a this, that, here. These are the things that, well, these know. You can belong to any denomination you want to. If you don't know Christ, you're not going to make it. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the truth will make you free. He who continues in my word is mine. How many people are continuing in the word? How many people after they get saved continue in the word? How many of them stay steadfast in the word? Or do they just go someplace where the word gets disseminated to them through some man's Uh, opinions and some man's, you know, leading from college or wherever it may be? Or do they go to someone who will expound on the Bible, bring it a little bit closer to home, explain it to you a little bit better? I try to do that here. I want to do that's my calling. We need good understanding of what Jesus said throughout the scriptures. You know, maybe the first of the year, you know, a lot of people start their Bible Bible reading process. There's a lot that you can learn in the New Testament, or I'm, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament as well. Uh, I meant to say Old Testament from Genesis on, and that's usually where we start stall out a little bit around Leviticus. Starting the Gospels. You can learn about Jesus all the way through the Bible, but learn about him as he was here on earth with us, how he got here, the things he said and the things he did, the examples he left behind. Mark, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just lays it out there. Drops it right in your lap. Epistles of Paul go deeper. The epistles of Peter give us a, a 
the living of a holy life. There's just we can't we can't get any closer. We can always inch a little closer to the footsteps of Christ, following in him, following in his walk, following how he wants us to walk. These are important things to me to do in the new year or even in the old year when we only got two days left. We need to buck up and get going. I don't know. I don't have a timing of Christ's return. I know I'm not one of those that say there's no more signs because I truly believe there are signs that have been given us. Uh, read Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and you'll see that it's there. Understand First Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5 and it's there. But most people don't. They see a rapture and that's all they want to talk about. As for today, we'll call it a day and maybe a year. I, I may get back. I've got a, a little ministry business I have to take care of tomorrow. So I can't say I'll be back tomorrow. <clears throat> but we've gotten something to think about today. I'll say this very quickly. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Get busy doing kingdom business. Steadfast and stand fast until he returns. I'm washed by his blood. <laughs>